You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Well, later on, we'll get into the connection between historical fiction and science fiction, although I think Stan has sort of broached the subject. Um, our next writer is one who has been one of the most consistently interesting and persistently excellent writers writing in the English language, to my mind, um, with a long career, a long and very prolific career of mostly historical novels with a little bit of science fiction thrown in that extends all the way from the Fire Drake up through Jerusalem and today to the Verringer. Is that how you say it? Verringer? Yeah. Um, so without further ado, I would like to introduce Cecilia Holland. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to be here. Very glad to be with uh, two very distinguished writers. What about me? <laughs> <laughs> Three very distinguished. <laughs> All of you very distinguished. Uh, this is from the new book. Uh, this is um, the coast of Normandy a thousand years ago. He washed her body and combed her hair and wrapped her in his good cloak. He laid her on her back on the grassy bank above the beach with her head toward the north, where the north star would shine when the night came. He put his long knife at her right hand because she was a warrior. He set the last of his money at her feet, a cup and a hunk of bread there also, to keep her on her journey. Finally, he cut off a piece of his hair and twisted it into a knot and put it inside the cloak above her breast. Lisa and Leif helped him as long as they could. They gathered stones and laid them around her in lines that came to a point at each end, the bow and stern of the ship that would carry her home. Then they began piling up the rocks on her body, and that was what wore out Lisa and Leif until they slumped down and just watched Rafe continue. <coughs> Leif put his arm around Lisa's shoulders. Nobody said anything. They had known her only as the hawk. Rafe, who had known her as she really was and for far longer, went on steadily building her grave. Before sundown, a crowd was gathering from the village just up the way, and a priest arrived who started shouting, this is heresy, this is heresy. What demon lies in this tomb? Rafe ignored him, carrying rocks and piling them high up onto the mound over her. Below the bank at the far edge of the long sandy shore, the sea growled up a white froth. He knew this was not the broad ocean, but it was close enough. If he stopped working even a moment, his grief and terror drove sharp into the center of him. I demand that you cease this monstrous, in God's name cease, in the name of our sweet Jesus Christ. Some of the crowd had torches. In the growing darkness, the light flickered out over the mound and the leaping, gesturing priest cast rafe shadow out across the grave and over the bluff and toward the unconquerable sea. He laid stone on stone. He wished he could cut out the stone of his heart and lay it there with her. He went on down to the beach, looking for more rocks. Lisa thought, I have to get away from them. I have to find my real family. Leif had his arm around her, holding her tight to protect her, maybe to keep her from running. 
She looked around at the growing crowd, their voices rising, and she heard someone call, are we going to let them do this? She thought, they are Christians. I am a Christian too. Somehow she had to get in among them and away from Leif and Rafe, especially Rafe. She watched him coming up from the beach with an armload of rocks, ignoring the priest, ignoring the crowd, ignoring even the man on the horse who jogged up now and said, all right, I'll handle this. The priest turned and shrieked, arrest them, take him to the Lord, better to the abbot. This is high heresy. There is a woman under there. They are burying a woman by devilish rites. Rafe was heaping up the stones on the mound. In the deep gloom, Lisa saw him mostly by his long, pale hair. His body stooped even more under the weight of the stones. He had loved the hawk. She knew now how much. She thought he was risking them all doing this. They would all be killed for pagans. She huddled her arms to her chest, hearing the voices around her murmuring, old ways, they're heathen. Those were the old ways, Thor and Odin, kill them. Only some people said, no, those are the old ways. They are true to the old ones, high praise to them, to him this priest of Odin. The horseman rode up to Rafe, his hand on his sword, and said, you, who are you? In the Duke's name, I demand you surrender. Rafe had just put a stone on the top of the mound. He stood dusting his hands and looking at the rider. Lysa could see the rider was very young, younger even than she was, barely old enough to wear the heavy mail coat, carry the sword. Rafe said, this is no matter of yours or your God. Why don't you leave me alone? At that, the crowd gave up a huge yell and Lysa bit her lip. She glanced around at the people swarming in the dark. Somebody shouted, kill them! And the great mass snarled. Leif's arm tightened around Lysa. He put the other hand on the hand axe in his belt. Lysa's heart was hammering painfully in her chest. The boy drew his sword. You're coming with me. Heretic, the priest cried and ran forward, a jug in his hands, and cast some water out over the mound. Rafe reeled, wheeled around to keep him off, but most of the water splashed on the rocks. Lysa gasped and flung her arm up. Where the water struck rocks, a column of light burst up into the darkening sky, white as the sun, a flash toward heaven. In the air over them all, it exploded in a thunderous, blinding fire. These, those watching screamed and gasped, and many ran, and many fell down, and all prayed. Lysa felt tears on her face. Something in her rose after the leap of flame, and she cried out, high and exultant, like a hawk. The light faded. She was standing some feet ahead of Leif. She twisted to look back and saw the crowd clumped together much farther away, hundreds of yards away, many still kneeling on the ground. She got up. Rafe, she called, come on, we can go now. Rafe straightened, dragging himself together again. He turned to the stunned, gaping writer. All right, we're all hungry anyway. I will go with you. Leif and Lisa had their horses and rode side by side after the Norman boy and, and Rafe, who went on foot as always. Some of the villagers had come with them, walked around them, still carrying the torches. Leif hung his ha hand axe on the pummel of his saddle. He leaned in toward Lisa and said, low, did you see anything? She turned to him, startled. What are you asking? I saw more than I ever want to see again. He's going to get us killed. What was he doing? What? Who was she? All this time, to me, she was just a hawk. Her voice softened. She was heart sad, tears in her eyes. She was so noble. She let me hold her sometimes. Her heart quaked. The hawk had traveled with them all the seven years from Constantinople. 
Lisa had always wondered if she was more than a hawk. Leif made a little gesture with his hand. Leif made a little gesture with his hand, pushing that away. I mean, after the big light. Did you see? Now Lisa turned her eyes away and licked her lips. Leif was watching her steadily. She remembered thinking she had to get away from them, and her conscience bit her. Leif loved her. In all their wandering, he had proved that over and over, and she had to be grateful. She said, I thought, and stopped, holding her breath. What? Lisa said, I thought I saw, and stopped again. Leif said patiently, what? Lisa said, something flew away into the sky. It must have been an ember. But now she began to cry, thinking of the hawk, red gold as an ember. Leif said, I'm just a fat old fool that I know when I have seen what few men are permitted. Lisa choked off her tears. They were pagans and wicked and wrong, but she longed for the hawk again. It was hard to be Christian. Ahead of them, at the stirrup of the boy in his metal coat, Rafe walked, who could get them all stoned or burned or hanged one day the way he was, the way he was more and more. Yet the way he held, was, the way he was, held her fast somehow, as it always had his vast, unfathomable way of knowing. In their wanderings from the east into Italy, through war and plague and famine, over the sea and through the mountains, Rafe had always found the right road. Yet it had been a near thing the whole way, and always the hawk had flown above them. Now the hawk was gone. In her last moments, as Rafe cradled her in his arms, Lisa had seen her. Her breath stopped at what was unutterable. She had seen her become an old, old woman dying. She watched Rafe walking along ahead of them, his long, thin stoop disguising his strength the ropey long arms and huge hands, the easy swing of his stride that outdistanced horses. Every line of his body drooped. He trudged along with his head down, his hands dangling empty. He looked older than he was. He wore a tattered, dirty old, that, what? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.